Well, in the days ahead, we want to make sure that while we have addressed the issues of a physical virus, that we also understand there is a virus that not only makes people sick physically, but there is a virus that has made us spiritually sick and can also make us emotionally sick. Thanks for tuning in to the Putnam City Baptist Church podcast. We hope this message encourages you wherever you might be. If you'd like to learn more about PCBC, visit us online at pcbc.tv. Now, here's Pastor Bill. Those were a few highlights from 2020. If you can go back and try to remember all the chaos of the past year, that kind of reminds us of some different things, a lot of changes that hit our life. Today is a little bit of a different Sunday here at PCBC. This is our State of the Church Address, what we normally do in January. We've postponed to this point so that we could get as many people back and engaged as possible. And so we'll be talking about where the Lord has moved in our lives last year, where he's taken us in the days ahead. We have navigated through some of the most serious waters of change. And as a result, you saw some different ministries that happened last year. We'll be reflecting on that. But all of us have experienced radical change, have we not? And it continues on into 2021. We got a phone call this uh, past month from our daughter who's attending OU her freshman year and said, Dad, I, I, I need to tell you something. I'm transferring. Oh, really, honey? That's nice to know. Where are you going? I'm going to OSU with my friend. <laughs> not lying, not making it up. God has a sense of humor. I don't, okay? I told her, I will not write any checks there. I'll pay you. You pay the university. We'll go from there. So we've all dealt with crazy unexpected radical change and somehow in that we still got to find the joy of our salvation can I get an amen from the congregation well let me take you to a verse this morning uh, let me take you to Proverbs 3 5 and 6 Proverbs 3 5 and 6 it's our compass you know this verse you probably look to it daily we as a staff and as a church family we constantly let this be our vision verse and I pray you do that in your life personally as we're doing that corporately God's Word tells us we cannot lean on our own understanding. How easy it is to look at life through our own lens and what makes sense and what we want to do and what we think we should do and what feels right and what seems right. What everyone tells us is right. And yet God's Word is that compass for our life. We must let the Word of God speak. Now, if you look at the verse, you can see several points of truth. He says, don't lean on your own understanding. You'll mess it up every single time when you do it according to your own understanding and your own thinking. That's when we get lost, we make wrong turns, we get into unhealthy situations whenever we lean on our own understanding. And he says, simply acknowledge me in all of your decisions. That's something that we have prayerfully been doing throughout all of last year, every year. It's not stuff that we just look at and say, hey, other churches are doing this, so we need to do this. We simply submit ourselves to the Lord and say, God, lead us as our shepherd. Be our compass. He says, do that in all of your ways. That's your decisions. That's the directions that you take. Next steps that we are about better come from heaven and not from a church staff or even your pastor. And so we're trying to bring to you today the things that we sense the Lord is putting on the heart of our fellowship in the days ahead. And then look at the promise. When you allow him to be the shepherd, not your own understanding, not your feelings, not your emotions, not your preferences, not what you used to do, but you allow him to shepherd you, he says, I will make your path straight. That's true corporately. That's also true 
individually. Now, when we don't live according to our, or when we do live according to our own uh, understanding, we find that we get the state of the union that we're in. When you lean on your own understanding, we find that we get the state of the world that we're in and the state of the virus and what that has done spreading not just physiologically, but also psychologically. All of those things get out of uh, whack, if you will, because we don't have the compass leading and directing our paths, our minds, our understanding. Well, in the days ahead, we want to make sure that while we have addressed the issues of a physical virus, that we also understand there is a virus that not only makes people sick physically, but there is a virus that has made us spiritually sick and can also make us emotionally sick. Our nation very easily needs, needs wellness. It needs the great physician. But not just our nation, not just the world that is under a pandemic, but each and every human heart needs the great physician. But what about the church? Well, the church also needs the great physician. So I want you to see the prescription that the Lord wrote in bringing healing to this world through his church. Take a look at it. Turn, if you will, in your Bibles to Mark chapter 3, verses 13 through 14. Mark chapter 3, verses 13 through 14. Jesus went up on the mountain. Now, he's gone to the mountain often. It was his custom. Why is he on the mountain this time? He has gone through the temptations in the wilderness. He has launched his earthly ministry. And the first thing he did after leaving the wilderness was to go on the mountain to pray to the Father for his compass, his direction. And look at what happens. When he went up on the mountain, he summoned those whom he himself wanted, and they came to him. Now, what's missing in Mark's version, I think it's over in Luke, it says he was up all night on that mountain praying. Prayed all night long, and the next day, as the Father revealed direction for his earthly ministry, he called out the twelve. And they came to him, verse 14. And he appointed the twelve so that they would be with him and that he could send them out to preach. We look at this passage and we see that Jesus calls out those who would lead out in the building of his church. This would be the direction for bringing healing to a world that was trapped in sin. And out of this, while Jesus came to seek and save the lost, he also did that through the launching of the church. Not a building, but a people. The children of God, who would be the light of God in the world. Now, when you first look at this passage, you would think Southern Baptists figured this out. Uh, we see that he appointed some people to positions. And man, if you've lived very long in a Baptist church, you know you can't walk through these halls unless somebody's trying to get you appointed to something, some position, some role, some ministry. Well, we see that piece. We see the last part of verse 14, that he was sending them out to be busy about the kingdom business. But what we miss is the middle part of that verse. Take a look at it. Look at, look at verse 14. Look at that middle part. Look at what it says. And he appointed 12 so that they would be with him. We get focused on the doing of ministry, the focus of what we can do for God and all of his glory and the difference we try to make with our life. And we miss the most important piece that was in the calling. Not just being called out, not just being called uh, to do something for God, but actually to be called out to be with him. This is probably one of the most neglected disciplines of the spiritual uh, walk of most believers. 
is that relationship of just being with him. As we take a look, we know that this needs to be our focus if that is his focus. That as we move forward, what we want to do as a church is help us to be obedient to what we see in the birth of the church. That we understand, yes, we are called out to him in salvation. Yes, he calls us to be a part of seeking first the kingdom and engage in ministry. But most importantly, don't miss that middle part. Don't miss the part of how you can be with him. Is it possible that we need the great physician just as much today as ever before? Is it possible that the church has been so busy trying to do things for God, we've neglected our time with God? Well, let's dig in and let's talk about where we've been. As I said, our world has changed a lot, but our purpose never changes. Some of the things we may have to do to carry out that purpose may change, but our purpose never changes. So, for those who are members of PCBC, if you're attending today, you're going to hear about our purpose, you're going to hear our vision. For those who've been here at PCBC, you should know our purpose. It was even, we gave you a little uh, sneak peek in the video. Can you write down, very quickly, on a sheet of paper, the vision, the purpose of PCBC? Quickly, do it. Let's see how many get it right. We do this every year. Been doing it for 10 years since I've been here. Uh, I didn't even make this one up. I didn't even create this. I inherited this when I got here. This was here before I was here. So 10 years later, uh, 15 years later probably, let's see how well we're doing. How are you doing with the pop quiz? All right, here's what we know. Let's see how well you did. Here is the purpose on the screen. It's very simple. PCBC exists to help our community in three things. That's all you got to remember. It's simple Kool-Aid to drink. Come on now, get in there. We exist to help our community primarily know God through the Lord Jesus Christ, to become family, to minister to one of the biggest hurting needs in society and culture today, and that's the attack on the family, but not just your physical family, also to be a healthy place where you can experience a church family. We know that many people today don't attend church because they used to be a member of a church, and because it was such a terrible experience, they said, I don't need that, don't want that, and they've checked out. We want to be a church that ministers at the physical level and the spiritual level. And then thirdly, we exist to impact the world. Now, how do we do that? Well, we have a strategy here at PCBC. Uh, we didn't make this strategy up. We get it from the teaching of Scripture, again, our compass. Jesus said that when we receive the Holy Spirit, we would be his witnesses, that we'd be light and salt in the earth, and that we would be a witness throughout all the earth, in our Jerusalem, in our Judea, in our Samaria, and all the way to the ends of the earth. And quite frankly, as we look back on 2020, that became very difficult. When you're sheltering at home, when uh, a pandemic hits, and you can't engage with people, and you can't reach out into a community like you used to, and you have to separate from people, it's very hard to be a bridge into people's lives. And so we face some great challenges. But I want to reflect very quickly on the responses, uh, the response of last year and how we sought to still be a kingdom-minded church. Uh, well, we began the year last year. We had a lot of momentum heading into uh, the COVID season. Right as we launched last year in the state of the church last year, there were great hopes and great dreams. Our momentum, we had... Uh, seen ourselves grow to the point of averaging about 750 people in Bible study on Sunday mornings. 
The next thing we saw is a bridge the gap ministry for ladies in the church. And it was a very sovereign thing that God placed on my wife's heart to, to have women gather together. They would not gather in person, but they would gather through relationships. And we saw many women, over 100 women, engage in that and would go for, I think, a three-month season of connecting with each other, getting to know each other, people they never met in the life of their church. We have testimony after testimony of a number of ladies that, that that was the one thing that kept them emotionally connected during that season. It kept them up when they were getting down, and it was simply pure fellowship. Another thing that happened last year is in our student ministry, and through, again, the sovereignty of God, Hunter Stevens, who had been a part of our children's ministry for many years as our associate, promoted up to become our middle school, and we split our student ministry into two ministries, middle school and high school. We saw much more effectiveness in the younger students who were intimidated being a sixth grader put in a room with a senior in high school. That just wasn't a good mix. And under Hunter's leadership, the middle school ministry thrived. And now uh, Junior Gammon, uh, Braden Gammon, if you haven't got to know Braden yet, he's the little Justin Gammon with the beard running around. Uh, he's jumped in to the high school ministry and has promised us that he is going to excel the previous youth pastor's tutelage as shepherd of our students. So we saw some neat things happen there. Then, as we got into the year, we found ourselves having to shelter at home something we've never experienced in our lifetime. A new day in our world, a new day in the fellowship of a church. After that, we began to make some adjustments, and that was right before Easter. If you remember, for the first time ever, we didn't gather in person for Easter. Can you remember that? Seems like five years ago, doesn't it? And yet it was just this same time last year that we had Easter online. Never done anything like that before in my entire ministry. And yet a virus never stops. The gates of hell can't stop the kingdom of God. And so we continued to march forward. Out of that, as we continue to let the Lord be our compass, not leaning on our own understanding, say, well, we can't meet or we have issues and because of the virus, we can't afford to come together. God gave us a campus. God gave us some resources and he led us to start something again we've never done before. And in May of last year, we started our first ever lawn chair church. Didn't know how it would go, didn't know how it would be received, and it ended up being a huge blessing in a very critical time in the life of our nation and certainly in the life of our city, in the life of our church. We have several new church members who now are part of PCBC that we would have never, ever known, never connected with if we hadn't been blasting our sound out to the neighborhood on Sunday mornings. It was their wake-up call and many came to check out what was going on. And now they are brothers and sisters in Christ with us. And that is something we will continue to do in the days ahead. What else happened last year? Well, during the summer months, we completed the children's building finally. We finally had that completed. We also, as we moved through that, we also got a chance to remodel our preschool ministry. And now you can see today we have a totally secure preschool space. It's all been updated with a new nursery. Again, the sovereignty of God. In our young marriage class, we currently have, I think it's either four or six mothers who are best friends in that class that are having babies this next month. It's all coming together, and we're going to fill that room very, very quickly and more space in that. And so we were able to get that done. Also, during that time, we were able to remodel all the different ABF spaces. 
We came in and got the old children's space. We were able to tear down walls and create larger classrooms so that people could continue to meet. Then we saw the fall relaunch, and we stepped out because of needing to space out. We started a third worship service over in the Wellness Center. Many of you in this very auditorium this morning became missionaries, and you sacrificed your comfort, your past experience, and helped us launch over there all the way into the holidays. And that in itself was a great, great ministry to our community. We had Festival outside. Instead of what we do inside, we moved it outdoors, and we reached uh, hundreds and hundreds of people during that time that had been cooped up and needed something for their family. And then we hit the holidays. And there it was. There was another virus spike that caused us to shut down our small groups again. And we now are just coming back and relaunching uh, to our ministries. And so we're waiting for those who are getting vaccinations, those who feel safe and can come back. And until then, we will continue to minister to those who can attend, those who can't attend, and those who have not yet attended. Those are some of the things that happened in the next year. Now, as we head into 2021, where do we go from here as we seek to restart? Well, know that the restart doesn't look like where we started before COVID. We all know, I think, and understand it will look differently for a season as long as we can see into the short-term future. And in that, we must adjust but not let it quench the Holy Spirit. It can't quench our gathering of uh, meeting together. It cannot quench us going forward and ministering to our community, but it is going to change some things, and it will look differently. But I want to say this to you. While we may not be able to restart by returning back to where we were, we must get back to where Jesus started. Can you hear that this morning? Don't be looking and say, man, I just can't wait till we get back to where we used to be and miss where Jesus started this whole thing. Let's don't miss what we read in Mark chapter 3 just a moment ago, and let's return back to the basics, and let's stay focused on what worked for Jesus should work for his church still today, don't you think? And what did Jesus do? A lot of people thought, we got to shelter at home because we're under great persecution, but no, the church was alive. It did not stop the work of the Holy Spirit. They had all kinds of excuses of why they could disengage from culture. And yet we find the church full of the Holy Spirit and making a difference, even though it was very dangerous for them as well. I pray that this will not quench the work of the Holy Spirit. Go back to verse 13 again of Mark chapter 3. So we're using this as our compass. Be reminded, look at it again. As Jesus went up on the mountain and he prayed, he summoned those. He called them out to himself. He called them out to have a relationship with him, but he called them out also not just to work in this world, but to work in the kingdom of God in those who were in the world. He would call them to himself and he would call them out to make a difference where they lived and where they were. The same is true in your life and mine. God calls us to himself, that's salvation. And then in our sanctification, he calls us to share the gospel in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Look at verse 14 again. Now let's dig in on this. Let's don't just read these words. Let's just don't understand what he did 2,000 years ago. But let's understand what he's wanting to do in your life and mine as well. Yes, he wants to call us to himself, but that we might be 
with him. And so as we move forward, we need to allow the Lord to be our compass in our calling. As we spend that relationship daily with the Lord, that should translate into ministry in the world in which we walk every day. And so what does that look like for us as we move forward? I told you we have a strategy. We have a Jerusalem. Now, we have said Jerusalem for us is the shadow of our steeple. What does that mean for us as a congregation? Well, moving forward, we will continue to minister however we can to Wiley Post and to Putnam City North. Now, there are other schools within the shadow of our steeple, and quite frankly, it's all we can do to minister to Wiley Post and Putnam City North right now. Uh, we will do what we can to minister to the teachers, the administration, what we will continue to do to minister to student bodies. We will do the chaplaincy program. We've continued to do that with Putnam City North, and we will find unique and new ways to move that forward. One unique way we have of impacting our high schools is through First Priority Clubs. One of our very own, Stan Stafford, leads that ministry. Our student ministry is engaged in that. And they have a weekly cycle on all the campuses where they gather students together, they train them and equip them to be able to share their story, God's story, with their student uh, peers. And we're seeing scores of students come to know Jesus through that ministry, and we will be supporting that ministry this year. Not only there, but we will also continue to see the opening again of getting back into our senior adult facilities around us, one of our Jerusalem ministries that Brother Howard leads. Uh, already they're back and engaging in some of the campuses, and more of those things will open up in the days ahead. As we go through these different ministries and you're sitting there, don't just listen and become familiar with what we do at PCBC, but be praying about where might I fit, where might I engage in 2021, in the days ahead. And if the Lord puts a ministry on your heart, take out a communication card or that digital one on your app and simply write in, I want to know more about this, or I'm interested in this ministry, and let's be about the kingdom of God. Uh, there's need there with senior adult ministry. Also this year, you'll be hearing uh, from our strategic planning team. We hoped by this time to bring you some ideas of how we might develop some non-strategic property to the west of this building, right outside this back wall, right up against the neighborhood. There's a strip of land there. Uh, I'm working with a strategic planning team. We're praying through some different things. And at some point in this year, we will be bringing you uh, a vision opportunity of how we might be able to maximize that for our community as well. You're also going to be hearing about community bridges. Community Bridges is an opportunity for us to, through employment and creating jobs, of using that for evangelism. Uh, it's too much to explain today, but be ready and be listening for Community Bridges. It will be a very special type of outreach in the days ahead. So there's Community Bridges. Uh, next, as we come into this next month, as we get towards Easter, we will be doing Easter differently. Imagine that. We have prayed and we really believe the best opportunity for us to get to people and the crowds that uh, are open and sensitive to the Holy Spirit during Easter is going to be to go outside on the lawn. And you say, why? Well, already you can see this room is fairly full. We could get some more people in here, but as more and more people start coming back to church, this is going to fill up pretty rapidly. An Easter crowd won't fit in this distanced space, and we're still under distancing requirements. There are still people who don't feel safe in gathering groups, and outside, we proved with Lawn Chair Church, 
It's much safer for people. They feel much more comfortable. And we can accommodate many, many more people. And we get to give another neighborhood wake-up call. Amen. Awesome. Isn't that cool? We get to be there to bless them outside. And so you can start praying over that. We're going to have invite cards that will show up in a week or two. And you'll be able to help spread that word. Well, that's what we're doing in Jerusalem. Let's talk about Judea. Well, in Judea, that represents our city. Jerusalem is the shadow of our steeple. Judea, for us, is our city, a huge city. We can't minister to every need in the city, but there are certain needs that God has called us to. Uh, We continue to minister at the Rescue Mission Center, and we'll continue to do that this year. We also have a commitment to finding hope. Sober living homes here in our city and now spread to multiple states, but we'll be a part of Finding Hope. We also minister to Hope Pregnancy Centers. A lot of you have been a part of that, and it is a great, great needed ministry in the life of our city, uh, and we will continue that. A new one for this year is from one of our church members, Mike Bateman, who was the executive director of Jesus House downtown. God used all that experience at the Jesus house uh, to place a new calling on him to create another sober living in the worst county of Oklahoma for drug addiction and drug use. It's Pottawatomie County, I believe, Lincoln Pottawatomie. Uh, We are helping him to launch. They purchased a old church campus. They're remodeling and renovating that into a sober living outreach community for that area. Some of us will be going over there and helping remodel. Some of us will be going over to preach the gospel, to encourage their clients as they come on board. That's a new ministry you'll be hearing about in this year called Jeremiah House. One of the most important ministries that God's hand is on in these days that we are supporting is an international mission church that launched under the leadership of John Neandico. Uh, That has exploded during this season. John and his family have done an amazing job of ministering to immigrants and refugees that are coming to our city. Uh, The state convention is supporting them now. The North American Mission Board is also supporting and has seen the fruit of that ministry. I've also heard that uh, during this COVID season, John has an online Zoom ministry to numerous continents, impacting continent, not just the city, but continents all around the world. You'll be hearing more about that mission. Uh, They need our prayers. They have some challenges before them, and we're going to be there to walk with them in the days ahead. Matter of fact, I think Daff Rose is right back there. Wave at us, Miss Daff Rose, right there. There's John's bride in our service right now. You tell Brother John, uh, John we talked about him today, all right? You let him know. Next is our Samaria ministry. That's our ministry in the United States. We have committed our resources to three church plants there in New York City. And we are doing that through funding. I hope that we'll have a chance to get back there this year. Very quickly, we go to ends of the earth. And the ends of the earth ministries are, of course, our primary, Zambia. That's under the leadership of the Edwards. Uh, Unbelievable what has happened in that particular ministry in that part of the world. Remember, it's a slum of a slum. Uh, they didn't even qualify to be a part of the slum. They, they have so many challenges, they had to be kicked out of the slum to create their own slum to be a slum of a slum. And yet there is so much life there in that part of Dola, Zambia. They have, uh, you'd be shocked and you'll continue to see reports of all that's going on there. The numerous hundreds and hundreds of children, they're getting an education 
there would have been nothing but a statistic without that lighthouse ministry in that whole community. That community is not only being fed educationally, but there's now a church right there on that campus that is now a light to all the families of that particular slum. And so we will continue to see outreach in Zambia. We also reach out to Venezuela, even though we can't get there because of the politics of the day and because of COVID, we continue to send funding to over 150 churches right there in Venezuela, keeping the gospel alive. And then Brother Sean is ministering with our pastor friend in India and doing some great things there. Those are our primary ends of the earth ministries. Hopefully this year to the next year, perhaps, We'll be taking trips, but until then, we'll continue to support them financially. So let's get back to our purpose. Let's be reminded that we're called not just to do things for God, but we are also called to know God ourselves. Not just to let people know God, but if we aren't walking in our relationship with God, we can't pass that on to other people. So in this next year, you're going to see that we're reaching out through a ministry called One-on-One with God. This will be our visual reminder all season long that we need to be connected to God one-on-one. Now, there actually is a ministry that we're bringing to the church uh, called One-on-One with God. It comes from some lay people from Northwest Baptist Church that had a business, saw their employees as a mission field, their customers as a mission field, And they wanted to connect people in a vibrant walk with the Lord who created them. So since the 1970s, they've been perfecting this outreach ministry. It's a simple tool that anybody can go through and anybody can use to help somebody else grow in their relationship with the Lord. We're going to see from Scripture this morning that that is something that God has placed on all of us. That we are called, according to Scripture to walk with God, but as a church, we're called to equip the saints to know the Lord and also to be disciple makers. If you have your Bibles, turn over to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. I'm sorry, I messed up. I got ahead of myself in my PowerPoint here. Let me back up to a couple of other things very quickly. Um, Becoming family. We have to know God through who's your one. I'm going to come back to who's your one with God. In becoming family, we also have our family ministry team, a team that leads us and has strategies. We have a family resource center off the lobby. We have strategies all year long. They will continue to lead us. What else in our purpose? We have to re-engage as a church family. Many people haven't been able to fellowship for over a year now. That's hard for me to even imagine and believe And we have to do a better job through our ABF ministries of reconnecting with our folks and then learning how to do that again in a corporate environment. Also, as we move forward as family, we have to see that the Lord, as he works among us, as we become family, that we also complete our next steps, which is that children's building project. Currently, we owe around $386,000 to complete that over $2 million project. We've come a long ways, we're right there at the finish line, and we're going to be talking to you all throughout this year on how we can finish by December 31st, 2021. That's something that we all need to be praying about. But let's go back to impacting our world. Now, as we're growing, we're going to come back and talk about who, uh, one-on-one with God, but we also are going to have a strategy over on the other side, you can see, which is, who's your one? How do we impact our world? 
How did Jesus and the disciples impact their world? Was it televangelism? Was it um, healing ministries? Was it feeding ministries? What did they do? One by one by one, they were light and salt in this earth. They went into all the world and they made disciples. And that's where we're heading in 2021, back to the basics of our faith, of being one-on-one with God, but then also out of that relationship, reaching at least one person with the gospel. Sean shared last Wednesday night that if every one of us reached one person, obviously the church would double. He did some statistics to show that this entire planet could be reached if every claimed believer reached one person with the gospel every year for the next six years. Every person would know the gospel. It's doable. It's God's plan. And yet we as a church, the body of Christ throughout the world, is not reaching people one by one. Let me take you there now to Philippians chapter 3 and verse 10. Now, I'm going to put it on the screen, and it's going to look a little different than what it might be in your normal translation. This is the Amplified Classic Version. And Amplified is simply a translation that takes the Word of God and, 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 and puts it on steroids, amps it up, kind of tries to highlight some key emphases, and it's the theme verse for one-on-one with God. Look at what Paul said in this verse, Philippians chapter 3. He said, my determined purpose is that I may know him. Do you see his first heartbeat? His heart, first heartbeat wasn't what can I do for God. It's my determined purpose is I need to know him. Now this is a guy who was the equivalent of a seminary president. This is a guy who'd spent his whole life studying about God as a Pharisee. He knew more about God in his head than anybody on the planet at that time. But he didn't coast in that. He didn't say, well, I've already figured God out. I already know all I need to know about God. Knowing his new relationship now as the Apostle Paul, he said, I've known about God, but I don't know him like I should. There are a lot of people in the church today that know a lot about God. You sat through every Sunday school class, every preacher. There's some of you who have so much Bible knowledge, you know more than the pastor knows. But do you know him? Is your relationship with the Lord fresher today than it was yesterday? He said, my determined purpose is I may know him, that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him, perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person more strongly. Paul said every day, I want to grow in my relationship. I want to see God differently every day, more fresh than ever before. He goes on to say in this verse, and intimately become acquainted with him, and that I may in that same way come to know the power outflowing from his resurrection which it exerts over believers, and that I may so share in his sufferings as to be continually transformed in spirit into his likeness even to his death in the hope that we have in Jesus. Now you look at all those words, you look at all that amplified, and let me just point out several things that we see in this verse. Number one, take a look at it. He says, I have a determined purpose. In 2021, your church family wants to help you have that same determined purpose. We will have a variety of different ways where you can live out this particular verse. A lot of it happening through one-on-one with God groups. 
things that you can be a part of with just a couple of other people. You can create your own groups and we'll find leaders to help lead. It can be with a friend that you have, a coworker, somebody that you want to, to, to grow in a relationship with God with and have them join you on that journey. We have other ways that that'll be happening through other ministries. But let me ask you this. What is your determined purpose? Paul said, my determined purpose is not to be known as the greatest apostle this planet has ever known. My determined purpose is to share the gospel with every human being on this planet. That wasn't his determined purpose. His determined purpose was to know God first of all above all things, knowing that the rest would all fill in. So what is your determined purpose in this new year? I hope that you'll join us on the same path as the Apostle Paul. He said, I want to know him. I want to know him more than anything else. But out of that, he didn't, I want to know more about him. He said, I want to progressively, every day, inch my way in, in, in my understanding of who he is and, and grow more exponentially, not just coast and not just plateaued and not just normalcy, but I progressively, deeply and intimately want to grow in my relationship with God. And then he said, I need to know the power the outflowing power of the Holy Spirit. That power lives in us, but is that power flowing from us? The Apostle Paul said, not only do I need to know him, but I need to have a relationship with the Lord that is so deep that, that nothing but the Lord oozes from my life. Nothing flows from my life but the power of the Holy Spirit. And then he says this, and that I would be transformed. If the Apostle Paul needed to be transformed, how much more do we? If he was able to say, I'm not where I need to be, we all can say the very same thing. But the question is, what do we do about it? Do we just say, well, you know, it is what it is? Or do we have a determined purpose? Do we make it? And so we have said as a church family in 2021, we will have a determined purpose to be one-on-one -on -one with God and to find out who our one is and do nothing but those two things this year. Now, there'll be some things that we do, but those two things will be the compass that leads us. Now, you know this from Scripture. Look at Matthew 28. Be reminded what Jesus said to his disciples, to you if you are his disciple. He said that we are to go. We're to make disciples of all nations. That's why we're in Zambia, and that's why we are supporting Venezuela and India it's also why we're at Wiley Post in Putnam City North. It's why you go to work. It's where you live, where you live. We make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And look at verse 20. Teaching them to observe everything that I have commanded you. As we look at this passage, it's not enough to preach the gospel. It's not enough just to reach them with the gospel. We are called to make disciples. We aren't called just to help lost people become saved. We are called to make disciples disciples and it goes beyond just preaching they need a savior it's also teaching them what it means once you come to know the savior southern baptists have been famous for reaching their one but have done a terrible job of one-on-one -on -one with god teaching others so let me prove it let me prove it this isn't my job this is our job Jesus was speaking to his disciples. You're a disciple of Christ, if you know him. And all of us are called to go into our world where we live, where we can, 
sharing God's story through our story, making a difference in our world. And as somebody comes to know the Lord, we are to teach them. We are to disciple them in their faith so that that might go on. So let me ask you, how many people in the last, I'll give you a five-year span, how many people in the last five years have you led the Lord personally? And out of that, over those five years, how many of those people have you personally discipled? You say, that's not a fair question. Sure it is. That's exactly what we see in Scripture. You say, whoa, 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 that, that's not. And what we find in the church, we'll talk about in America today, is that many people know the Lord, but they don't know their purpose. They know about the Lord, they're growing in that, but they're not living that out within their context. Using that influence through a Matthew 28 perspective. And so a lot of that falls back to the leaders of the church who have not equipped the saints to do the work of ministry. So I take ownership in that. We, the staff, take ownership in that. But we as a body have to take ownership as well and say that is our calling. That is our purpose. We must reach our one and equip them and teach them how they can have a one-on-one -on -one relationship with God. And so all this year, that is where we are placing our influence. Now let me give you some history. Somebody once did some background on the New Testament and they found there were 40 people in the New Testament that are highlighted who suffered from the same disease and were healed by Jesus. Forty different accounts, same disease, who were healed. As he looked at each one of those 40 stories, listen to this. 36 of those 40 people who had their lives changed and transformed, not just physically healed, they would experience spiritual healing as well, both. 36 of the 40 found Jesus, not on their own, not on TV, not by going to church, but because a friend or a family member said, they're my one. You remember four friends who had the pallet that brought their friend on the pallet and dropped them through the roof? There's one of the examples. We find throughout all the New Testament, the way people found their way into a relationship with Jesus was usually because somebody brought them and introduced them to Jesus. I'm your preacher today because Cammie was that influence in my life on my high school campus. I saw something in her I didn't see in anybody else on my campus. And I know there were other believers, and it helped that she was a pretty blonde. I, I'm, not, I'm, not just, you know, I'm not just foolish, all right? But it wasn't her outward beauty, it was that heart beauty. She had something I didn't have, and it glowed. And she introduced me to Jesus. Now I'm your preacher. How crazy is that? Now, some of you may be bitter at her. I don't know, but that's the way it turned out. Who has come to know Jesus because of your influence? When we all get to heaven, who's going to come along and say, man, thank you that you introduced me to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Thank you for being a friend or a family member in my life. Out of the 40, 36 found their way to Jesus because somebody cared enough to let them be their one. And so as we go through this next year, as we pray about who our one is, you can't see it real good on the screen. Those are ping pong balls in the background. Those ping pong balls are going to represent your one. Next Sunday when we come back together on this stage, there are going to be hundreds and hundreds of ping pong balls. And those ping pong balls will represent one person's soul. I'm asking you between now and next Sunday to pray and say, Lord, who's that one person in my life 
that I need to minister to this year? Who's the one? Now, God's the one who saves them. You don't, but you get to be the vessel that God uses to minister to that person. And at the invitation at the end of next week's sermon, you're going to have an opportunity to come up, grab a ping pong ball, initial their initials on it. We're not going to write their names in so we can post it out there for everybody to look. Oh, man, yeah, they're a pagan. Oh, yeah, they're lost. But that person you're praying for, and we're going to collectively post those. You'll see a big round who's your one out there in the lobby. That's going to fill up with white ping pong balls. And that's going to represent the loss. And each week of the year, as God puts somebody new in your path or somebody new in your life, we're going to keep filling that up all year long. And we're going to pray over those names. And we're going to see a mighty revival of people coming to know Jesus because we're engaged personally. And you'll be challenged all year long. Who's your one? And then where are you at one-on-one with God yourself? And that we would encourage you to be a part of those two things. Now, as we go through that, as we go through your one, on week one, every month we'll have a four-week cycle. The first week of every month, we will ask you to spend that whole week doing nothing but every day praying for that one person. Week two, we're going to ask you to find a unique way to serve that person. Drop off a, a fresh-baked pie. Uh, write them an email telling them that you're thinking about them that day. Find a way to serve them. Find a way to take them out for lunch. Whatever you can do to build relationship. Number three, contact that person. On the third week of the month, find a way to contact them. That might be the email. That might be the phone call. That might be just some personal touch. That might be writing them a note, telling them that you're thinking about them. And then the, the last week of every month, we are going to encourage you to invite that one. If they live in this city, you might have somebody outside of this city. But that all of us would be trying to impact at least one person in our city, and we would be inviting them in on a Sunday morning where they might hear the gospel as well. In the month of March, as we kick it off, here's how cool it will be. By the time we get to week four, inviting them, we'll be able to give them an invite card and invite them to the Easter services on the lawn. And so our very first month might be the biggest net that we could throw out into the sea as we go fishing for men like we see in Scripture. All right? So as we see people come to know the Lord, we'll be placing orange ping pong balls representing a new life, a new person. And the neat thing is going to see that display out in the lobby go from white. I might have to change that color from orange now that I think about it. We might have to... Might have to figure it, but it'll be a different color ping pong ball of some sort, okay? Are you with me? So you pray over that, and let's be careful how spiritual we get this morning. If you use the YouVersion app, and I'm about to wrap up, you've been a kind and patient audience. There is a YouVersion app uh, devotional, and you can see this is an example of the YouVersion app at the very top. You have where you can read the Bible, you have that check mark that says plans. If you Google if you put a search for who's your one, you will find this 40-day devotional. Uh, we'll also try to link it up to our church center app so it'll be as easy as possible, but you can find it through the YouVersion Bible. Hopefully, we'll be able to tie this into our uh, church center app. But I would encourage you, for the next 40 days, let's launch out in praying through who's our one, And then through the year, you're going to hear more and more about how you can be a part of one-on-one with God and learn a tool that will deepen your relationship with God, but then also allow you to help somebody else grow deeper in theirs, whether it's a family member, a church member, or somebody who's one of our ones that come to know Jesus this year. We need to be ready to be the church 
God has called us to be. Would you pray with me with every head bowed and every eye closed? That's a whole lot of water to drink this morning. But that's where we've been. And that's some of the things that we're praying about in this new year. And it'll make more sense as we take our next steps, but let's make sure the steps we take, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, that we're acknowledging God in all of our ways, not leaning on our own understanding. That he is our shepherd and he is the compass. His word is that compass, a light to our path. And while your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, I want to ask you a question. Are you like Saul of Tarsus who knew about God but didn't know him personally? That had a religion but not a relationship? There's no one-on-one with God with you because you've never received him as Savior. Then today you need to be saved. Online, if that's you, trust the Lord right where you are and say, Lord, I need to be saved. Acknowledge your sin. God, I'm a sinner. Surrender your life and say, Lord, I give you all of me. I surrender to you. I receive you into my life. The Bible says it's a gift that must be received. If that's you today, we'd love to hear from you, either online or through the church app or through an old-fashioned communication card and say, man, today I nailed it down. I needed a relationship with God, and today I'm doing business with God. We'll follow up with you and we'll help you. What does it mean to be one-on-one with God now? But for many of you in this room and online, I'm going to ask you right now to start praying and saying, God, as we go into this emphasis of who's your one, who is that one person? And automatically there's a name or a face coming to your heart. Who is that one person that is my ministry, my mission field for this year? If he doesn't show it to you today, he will when you go shopping this week or when you go back to work or whatever you might be doing, you'll find your one. You stay praying until God shows you who that is. Pray all this week and then next week let's come together and let's launch a new day here at PCBC. Father God, may you be the Lord of this moment. May you be the shepherd of our hearts, the compass of our vision. God, we submit all these things to you in these moments, knowing that Only through the outflowing of the power of your Holy Spirit can this even become real. We submit it all to you now in Jesus' name. Thank you for spending time with our church family. If you would like to learn more about our ministry, visit us online at pcbc.tv. There you can also contact us and find out how to connect with us through social media channels. And visit pcbc.tv slash podcast to listen to additional messages from Putnam City Baptist Church.